0: You're listening to the God Centered Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom to four young boys, I know motherhood's hard. But sometimes I think I make it even harder than it needs to be. I'll worry about my needs being met, or I'll spend so much energy trying to make my boys happy that I forget that if I would take my eyes off me and my eyes off my kids and keep my eyes on God, that those desires would grow strangely dim and their contentment would go up as I'm led by his spirit. I also forget that I'm surrounded by God. He is going before me in places that I'm fearful of. He is walking with me on the hard days, and he's coming behind me, redeeming any mistake I made. So each week, I'll interview a new guest, and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the God-Centered Mom Podcast. Today, I have a good friend. Well, I've gotten to know her, and she I, I view her as a good friend, although I didn't get to see her as much as I'd like. Um, this is a very wise woman, fellow mom who's a little farther along the journey than me, um, Mary Flo Ridley. She has created a little guide to help us parents and what can, what could be a tricky conversation, but I just feel like ever since I first heard her speak at a MOPs meeting, I felt equipped to not be scared at all of talking to my boys about sex. Should I whisper it? Sex? <laughs> <laughs> I might have to put an R rating on this iTunes episode. Um but no, Mary Flo is so wonderful. She has written a couple books, Simple Truths and God's Very Good Design. She writes at Maryflow.org. And today she and I are just going to chat. So welcome, Mary Flo, to the god Center Mom Podcast.
1: Thank you, Heather. I think of you as a friend. We're friends. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean,
0: we've had coffee, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Um Oh, Mary Flo, it's, it's, we're both here in Dallas and it is just pouring rain. So we're praying that the connection stays good and we can have a good little conversation.
1: A nice little rain day chat. Yeah. Rainy day chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rainy day chat. So if
0: y'all hear the the thunderbolts of lightning, very, very frightening <laughs> behind us, that's what's going on. Um. Okay. So Mary Flo, introduce everyone to your family, your
1: husband, your kids. Oh, I'd love to. Okay. I'm, married to Dave Ridley, and we've been married 34 years. And um, he's just the love of my life, my best friend. He's a great guy. He loves golf. He works at Southwest Airlines. He's just a great dad and um, just wonderful. Anyway, then we have three children, three adult children. Meg is married to Travis Hooper, so it's Meg and Travis, and they have two little girls And another baby on the way. We don't know what flavor. And then (laughs) that's a lot. There you go. It is. And then, um, our second child is Jill and she is married to Ryan Hudson and uh, they have one little girl. So I have three granddaughters and one baby on the way. And both of the girls and their husbands and their babies live in the Carolinas. So I hop on a plane a lot of the time and go play and help and. Uh, just love it, and but they live far away, so that's a challenge sometimes, but we make it work. And then um, we have a son, Davis, who just got married March 15th and happily married and honeymooning here in Dallas. So that's my family.
0: Very, very cool. All granddaughters.
1: All little girls. Mm-hmm. Okay. So keep those boys. Yeah, <laughs> you I'll work on them. I'll work on yeah. them. <laughs> Okay. Make them worthy.
0: So, you, I, I kind of already alluded to our topic of conversation. Um, how did you get into writing on this topic?
1: Well, I was a very reluctant to come to this topic. This is not a topic. If you had known me my whole life, you would put me at the end of the line of anyone that would ever talk about this subject. And um, I'm, but I was a volunteer with the Dallas Junior League for a couple of years and I was I like to teach i had been a high school teacher and so I was a trainer uh, I was on their training team and we would just pick topics that the members were interested in learning about and then we would research the topics and then we would make a presentation to the members and so one year we were picking our topics and our chairman said okay this year we are going to cover this topic that's been asked for for many years and it the question is will someone please teach us how to talk to our kids about sex and I thought, oh my word, that I, I am not, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole because, first of all, my parents never even used the word sex. If it had rhymed with sex, my parents <laughs> wouldn't have said it. You know, there was just never a discussion of that in my family ever at all. And then I, at that time, had a four year old and a one year old. And I thought, I think I'm going to do more than my parents did, but I, In my mind, I thought, I have another decade before I need to think about it, so I don't really want to do the research on it. Anyway, so that was my thinking while everybody else was mulling this over. I was coming up with my reasons why it couldn't be me. And then (laughs) the chairman just pointed to me and said, Mary Flo, I think you're the person. And um, we will send you to Washington, D.C. to get some training on this. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. I could really use the room service. So I thought... (laughs) I'll just go and I'll learn something, you know, what can it hurt? And, and it was in Washington and I thought that sounded exciting. So I grabbed it and went and, um, I did not like one thing I heard at this conference. No, I did not agree with any of it. There was a foregone conclusion that our kids were going to be sexually active starting at a very young age. And I didn't agree with that, but it was an inevitable thing. And, um, just lots of of the premise of the of the workshop I could not agree with, and yet it was very frightening to see what our children were going to be exposed to at an early age. So I came home and I, I told the chairman that I said I, I cannot present what I've been taught, but I'm now very interested and keen on thinking about what Dave and I might do with our children to um, to prepare them you know and to shape their sexual character basically. So how are we going to communicate that? And I said, well, you give me six months. Let me do some research and I'll I'll come back to you. And she agreed. So I sort of um, went about the task of really asking God, God, what, what, how should I do this as a parent? I am a blank page. Would you please write on it? Would you please help me see this the way you see it? Would you help me come up with a plan? And then I would go into bookstores and park my kids at the children's, Section And I would just start looking and trying to find anything to help me and it was not there. Mm. So um, I talked to pediatricians, I talked to youth counselors, I never studied this in school. And um, in fact, my biology teacher was actually a football coach. So I just didn't learn much <laughs> about this. Yeah. And so... I was just sort of on a journey, but as Dave and I talked about it and prayed about it and wondered about it, we kind of came up with a plan for our family. And when I went back to the league, I said, you know, I'm just going to share with you what I've learned in the last six months and what, how we're going to deal with it. And you can modify this in any way that fits your family. It needs to be something that fits your family. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that would be the one time that I did it. But, um, People came up afterwards and said, "Would you present this to our Sunday school class or to our school?" and and so that was um, actually almost thirty years ago. Wow. So, no, maybe yeah, it was. <laughs> Jill's twenty eight, so I started this when she was one, so twenty seven years ago, and so it's been. I've never really tried to over market it or, you know, never had ambitions except to share it wherever the Lord. Led me to share it, so that's what I do.
0: And he has opened doors too. I mean, you've shared at moms' groups and churches, but you've also what is one of the coolest audiences I
1: know? You told me about was to a whole room of doctors, right? Tell yes. me more about that. Uh, um, I was invited to speak at the Medical Institute for Sexual Health, and they had a meeting in Chicago, and um it was just very. It was at a time where I needed a little encouragement. I was very. Um, wasn't sure if what I was presenting was um I just didn't have the assurance and so cuz I'm not accredited to do this I'm really just a mom I'm really a mom and but there's no such thing right there's no such thing as just a mom right yeah. there's no such I mean I would go to another mother in a heartbeat so anyway I was speaking from a mother's heart but I didn't want to lead them in a way that was not good and so what was very reassuring was this this Uh, Medical Institute really actually gave me a standing ovation at the end and was um, very reassuring to say if parents would do this, we would not be seeing the devastation uh, and the confusion. There's just so much confusion that children are buying into. And then the sexually transmitted disease, the viruses that are out there that are just multiplying, you know, there's just devastation that is not being reported. Mm. So, you know, it was very very reassuring and confirming that God has mm-hmm. called you
0: he's equipped you and that this isn't just something you've made up that, that doesn't really work that this is you've, you've seen it work in your family and um, I know that it's helped me so much um, and what I love is you're kind of a top down your top down approach and then you're you're present with your children so um, for those listening who aren't familiar with some of your information or, or what you've written about what should a family do first, and before before the topic of mommy, you know, how do you make a baby? Before that question comes up, what should you know? A husband and wife, what should they do?
1: The first step, I think, is the most critical step, and that is to um, formulate a message that you want your children to have about sex. What is the image you hope your children carry forward in their life of what sex is really all about? And so, that's that's I I ask parents to really go through a thoughtful two week process before they actually come up with the words that they would say. Are there the words that describe their message? For an example, uh, the message for our family that Dave and I came up with. We, as we were talking about it, writing things down, trying to come to a conclusion of. Really, what's the what's the main thing we hope our children learn about sex if they grow up in our family? And to answer that question, we went through kind of a process, and then we realized we we wanted them to understand the beauty that God designed this to be, and yet the boundaries that He set forth to protect mm-hmm. that beauty, and also to um, to be for our good and for, and for his, the purpose of sex could be protected, the purposes, and so. And what were the purposes we, and, and you know, as we looked at his word, it was for oneness and for fruitfulness. So those were the things that needed to be protected within marriage. And so, anyway, for young children, w- and really for their, the message we hoped they would receive as a result of conversations and also not just words, but actions and attitudes and everything was that sex was a gift from God for marriage. That was kind of our, overarching idea. And from that idea, we could we could draw vocabulary. We could draw uh, purposeful conversations. We, we had a goal. And that made all the difference because I wasn't just reacting to their questions. I had a purpose for each conversation. And, and I will tell you just from the outset, no one does this perfectly. And my children would tell you that We did not do it perfectly. So it's not a matter of doing it perfectly, but it's a matter of, you know, stepping into the conversation with something on your mind that you're trying to have them understand. Well, and I think that's so important because I think
0: there's such an attitude of fear and, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of like anxiety, Anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, Stress. I don't know what I'm going to say. How am I going to be able to describe this intimate thing to my children? And what I loved about your approach and how you ask us parents to think about it is not with fear, not with anxiety, to come in first, like, what's the end goal? Okay. You want your children to have a loving relationship with a spouse and you want grandkids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, And... You want them to have healthy lives. You don't want a, a split second decision in, um, their teenage years to, to have a negative, not that it, you know, I know people, my parents, you know, they, <laughs> they, they had a child when my mom was 16 and I love my sister and I'm glad that they got married. I'm glad God redeemed it. He can redeem anything. But yes, if we look at our best plan and our best message, I think, you know, in a Christian home, that would be our best message that this is a gift and that, um, it's for marriage, and uh, then it, it takes away the fear. And I think another point I got from you is is that when it does come up, just casually, even with a 3-year-old, a 4-year-old, a 5-year-old, especially if you are a young mom who's pregnant again, you'll get these questions from toddlers and preschoolers that you don't have a deer in a headlights look, right? That would be the best. I mean, you're
1: always <laughs> going to be – It's all, I'm, I'm actually a splotcher. So even though my (laughs) eyes may look good and my smile might be there, you can see these red whelps on my neck if I'm nervous. So,
0: um,
1: you know, there's just, there's no avoiding that. That's Mm -hmm. just going to be a part. You can't run away from that. You just have to say, well, you know what? It makes my, it makes me uncomfortable to talk about this, but I've got to pick my pain. Can I endure this pain? better than the pain of never being able to discuss this with my children and never being able to go to them with concerns or have them come to me with questions. In my mind, the economy was, you know, such that I was willing to trade. I was willing to say, yes, I will endure this uncomfortable moment and many like it so that later on we can have a family in which this can be And, and I, and I can't say that, um, with each child I got there because some children, some children don't feel comfortable talking about it. So, but it, but at least you can make your case and you can also have a venue for them to have a, an availability to you that they can come to you. They're curious and they're born curious and you, and so anyway, that's
0: well, and I love your line that you kind of gave me, um, when when a question comes up, you know, you've got your smile on your face, maybe your blotches on your neck, but what are the words, what are the words you, that you would say with your kids?
1: We would always say, that is such a great question. I'm so glad you asked me that. Yeah. And it was like a stalling device, but we, we knew we needed a um, pre-designated opening line that was sort of benign so that we could capture our thoughts. And then we needed a pre-designated facial expression. And <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, because. But that's, like, but that's such freedom to be like, I'm so glad you asked. Like, that comes to my head, you know, instead of a, uh, uh, uh.
1: Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> no, you're such a good. Right. Yeah.
0: And they usually yeah. do
1: ask those things when you're least prepared to talk about them or they're in the grocery store line and you really can't maybe answer. They're in the, you know, you've got other children in the car that aren't yours and you really can't go yeah. into this right now. So. Postponing it just ever so slightly is fine, but usually it's better just to go ahead and have something prepared to answer and, at the moment. And them seeing you as the expert, that was something else that
0: I remember from everything you've said. Like, you know, you have that family member that you go to for a specific topic. Uh, my my father-in-law is a doctor. If we have questions about an antibiotic or mm-hmm. some medical thing, that's who we go to, if, you know. My mom's re- my mother-in-law's really good at starting ministries, my mom's really good at cooking and several other things. You just go to that person. Right. And so if your kids say, Oh, my mom, she is one smart cookie and she seems really calm every time I bring this up, and you would even suggest, you know, everyone always has the question, young moms are like, Well, what do we call those private parts? Do we right. do we label them? Do we uh, avoid those words and just call it private parts in your in your cute little names and your winky and your, or do we like, do we actually call it what it's the, what what would you recommend? Well, actually, that's
1: a great question because that is the second step. We have several steps that, that, you know, we loosely hold out there as doing this in a certain order, but after you have your message, you know, and it's really clear in your mind where you're going with, um, your children in these conversations, then the next step is to really consider your vocabulary. And um, are you going to use the wingy-wangy words? Are you going to use um, medical vocabulary? Are you just going to generalize it and call them privates and not be specific to gender? And um, basically, you know, in Genesis, God says male and female. So what are the words that distinguish male from female? If you have a baby coming, you can talk about when the baby's born, God will have decided if this is going to be a girl or a boy. And we'll know as soon as the baby is born. How do you think? we'll know? you can even ask your children questions. Yeah. And that, you know, I remember my son said, well, if it's a girl, it'll have a bow. You know, <laughs> good guess. But I said, actually, believe it or not, when the baby's born, the baby is born naked with no clothes on. So how do you think, well, no. And so it it just was, and you know, we're able to describe that, you know, if it is a little girl, she will have a vagina. She will have a different configuration. If it's a little boy, he'll have a penis. So that's how that part of your body, like, Ears are the same, and noses are the same, and eyes are the same, and even feet look the same. But there's something that is different between a girl and a boy, and it's these. And really, with our family, we interchanged the medical words with privates. Sometimes we'd call them, you know, so your privates are distinctive between Mm -hmm. a male and a female. And so we, we, we would kind of go back and forth because there were some times where I thought it was just more polite to use that word frankly, mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. to be uncomfortable with the medical words, but also not to make other people uncomfortable with words that might make them uncomfortable. So, you know, sort well, of. Well, and I like that. I like that question, too, because in
0: in our home, there's a whole lot of one yeah. private part, yeah. and I am the solitary carrier of another. <laughs> and so, oh, penis, we are all like all about that. Right. That word is solid, set in stone, but I rarely ever have a chance or choose to, to use The girls' part. And I'm kind of afraid, like, that if I give them that word, Mm -hmm. that they're going to abuse it. You know, right now, my two year old's in a stupid phase where, and it is a (laughs) stupid phase, it's a stupid phase of using stupid. He has decided that that is his word. And so anytime he's upset or just to get attention, he says stupid. And so I'm afraid if I give them the word vagina, they're going to be like, vagina, 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 all over town. Right. And people are going to look at me cross eyed, like, oh my stars, your boys are obsessed with, <laughs> do you have any advice for, you know, do you talk to your kids about when it's appropriate to these, use these words? And well, do you have that conversation once you label them?
1: I think you can. I, I really okay. do. I think you can um, draw some manners around them. and uh-huh. And just to say, you know, in the comfort of our home, uh without abuse or being silly or disrespectful that's the main thing. We don't want to be disrespectful about anything that God made. And God made our bodies. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. So um this is these are words that describe parts of the body that you know I'm just going to require you to always talk respectfully about them. So whether it's their parts or the female parts, you might want to introduce the the uh word vagina with the story of birth. You know that if there's an opening between the mother's leg called the vagina, and that is where the baby comes out, and so that it's part of the birth story also for them, so they're not going to run around saying umbilical cord or you know uterus, and so vagina might just be a part of that story. But right, if you're like using all the labels, yes, and yeah. and then just to bring it to their mind, just say voice. I feel like you're getting a little out of control with something that I'm going to just. I, I want you to have the right attitude about. Um, the private parts of your body. And just like mm-hmm. when we go to the swimming pool, we cover those parts up. That's why we call them our privates. They're just not for for everyone to see. And we also sometimes cover up even the words of them with another word called privates. So when we're out in public, I think other people would be more comfortable if you called them privates. And we want to yeah. be considerate of, of those people. So, you know, it's just a growing process and he'll grow out of using his stupid word and you know he's not going to hang on to that forever so it's just like any other thing you teach them or that they hear or that they pick up you're just going to have to work with them on it a little bit
0: well and another message you talk about is you know the timing mm-hmm. when when is when is the <laughs> right time to have the sex talk and Your answer is? (laughs)
1: My answer is, that's a very tricky question. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you've you've got your message and you've started using respectful vocabulary and you've actually, I think it's important that you have some preliminary conversations. In other Mm. words, if a child says, mommy, how did that baby get in there? You might want to back it up just a little bit and say, you know what, I, you need to have a little more information before I answer that question, because you may want to introduce the idea of birth and then to have the um, understanding of seeds and eggs that are in all living things. I'm setting up the ideal, because sometimes the ideal doesn't happen. But, well,
0: and but you've pointed out before that kids often ask how the baby's going to get out before they ask how it got in, right?
1: That is the typical de- developmental uh, yes. Pr- curiosity. The curiosity is usually children are little problem solvers and they'll say, mommy, how's that baby getting out of you? And I would, I would just jump all over that. Oh, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. And then just talk about how that baby, that by God's design, there's a special place where the baby's growing. It's not in my tummy. That's where my food goes. And boys have tummies, but boys don't have uteruses. And a uterus is a special place where a baby grows inside the mommy, grows for about nine months. After nine months, it's time to leave. And so the muscles around the uterus push the baby out of the uterus, through the birth canal, and out a special opening between the mother's legs called the vagina. The baby's born but still is connected to the mom by something called the umbilical cord. So the doctor snips that off, and now we have a new baby in the family. And so you have just at that moment become the expert to them. You have have dazzled them with more information, but not with sensual information. You have just explained electricity to them, or you have just explained, you know, something. Uh, Yeah, just like, yeah, the mechanics of it. This is how this is where it is right now. And this is how it will come out. And, so, and, and you
0: would suggest like just answering the question they asked, right? They didn't ask for a how to or, you know, they just asked how the baby going to get out. And you answered that.
1: Yes. But yeah. as a mom, I would encourage you to, to dazzle them with that story. In other words, you could say, well, I go to the hospital and the doctor takes it out. And that's, that's answering their question to to your degree of comfort. You have not told them a lie, but you have not, you've missed an opportunity to really draw them in to your expertise and start to draw the picture for them that by, and I used to love to start the, the conversation with these three words, by God's design, because it just puts it all at his feet. I didn't invent this. I didn't make the uterus. I didn't, you know, this is his the beauty of his design is that this is how man and woman reproduce.
0: And if there's a C-section situation, yeah. you could just say, and sometimes, that's what you I know.
1: Actually, yeah. I encourage parents to tell both stories. To say, now, uh, you know, after you tell about a vaginal birth, then to say, well, and, you know, sometimes the baby's in the uterus and is ready to leave and those muscles start working, but the baby will wiggle and is not in a good position to go through the birth canal. And so the doctor will know that, and he'll use his instruments to make an opening a little slit close to where the baby is, and he'll lift the baby out and notice I didn't say he will take a great big knife and cut your mother open <laughs> but using his instruments, he'll make an opening and lift the baby out, and that's called a cesarean section, and that's you know I tell parents that's how your cousin was born, or you know or maybe and that's how you were born, but your brother was born the way I described first of all, you know, so it's Anyway, you can, I, I think the more they know about birth, the more they end up coming back to you with other questions. And well, it, like
0: you said, vocabulary, I mean, any expert knows yes. what things are called. And if you don't use it, then the assumption of a child is you just don't know what it's called. But my friend does, but
1: you don't. Right. Or there's something, we don't, we don't do anything else that way. We really try to give them the full picture of what's okay. going on in and that's what that's what they're asking about. And so there is a window of curiosity when they're young about birth and about how things grow. And and then after they know the story of birth, I would really supplement that with, and, and oh, by the way, you will be telling this story more than once because once you tell them, they will come back and say, now tell me again how that baby gets out. They are fascinated with this typically. And if they never ask, If you have a child, we usually at least have one in a family, don't seem to be curious or interested at all, and you feel like this is something they need to know about or you would feel more comfortable if they did know, then go back and and just say, have you ever wondered how this baby is coming out? you know if you're pregnant you can ask that about yourself or maybe you deliver a meal to a friend who just had a baby and you say can you believe mrs owens was carrying that baby inside of her last week and this week we got to take her dinner and we saw the new baby do you ever wonder about how that baby got out I, you know and act, act interested and available to to tell them how that happened so you know i think i think that's good and you always said like kids on a farm
0: <laughs> don't wonder these things, right? Like they literally watch a a calf come out of a cow or they are seeing eggs um, from chickens and they're, you know, they're watching the whole process. Right. um, The facts of life are being played out in front of them, but these urban kids are kind of clueless. And so, you know,
1: they're clueless until they get hit in the face with either pornography or something that they hear at school, what they are getting. They're getting plenty of sexual messages in the culture, but what, I think, and I get this is where I get very passionate, is that if parents will not miss the opportunity, they can preempt the culture. It's almost, it's not exactly and it's not a hundred percent, but it's almost like a vaccine. Like if we give them a little bit of information, if we let them know the mechanics and our message, you know, what are our values about this? What does God have to say about this? We can really uh, fill their minds with the right information, so that when that damaging or degrading or confusing message comes in from the culture at all points, <laughs> that you know, every time they're outside practically, then we we've got a head start on it. You know, it's like you. you I think you use the illustration
0: of the sponge, right? Like that. Right. We either fill it up, or we let culture fill it up. But once it's
1: full, there's no more space. Right, right. And, and that, you know, if we send our children out into the world with a dry sponge with nothing in it, and if that sponge is, if we label that curiosity about sexual things, which is not a bad thing, it's an innate curiosity, then if we leave that page blank or we leave that sponge dry, then we are just inviting the culture to fill it up. And I don't think that's the picture we want our children to have about sex. So, And if y'all go to
0: Mary Flo's site... I think you have a link to your story with your daughter going to kindergarten.
1: I think so. Yes. I think that's it. And,
0: and, and when it's, you know, how young is too young to talk about <laughs> these things, um, to bring up sex with your kids, one, like we've mentioned, it's not a one conversation, one time you sit down with dad when you're 12 and you learn about the birds and the bees. It's like embracing the natural curiosity of a child. It's not sensual. It's you becoming the expert, you giving labels, you filling that sponge. And so when you send them out to kindergarten, yes, as young as kindergarten, you have already filled their brain with your message so that their friend on the swing next to them isn't right, exactly the message deliverer.
1: Well, back to your original question, which is a question I get all the time. Like, so when is the right age to explain Uh, conception. Basically, parents are comfortable with everything we've, we've said so far, like they're, they're on board for all of that. But then they get very squeamish about when am I going to explain sexual intercourse to my child? How am I going to Mm. do, do that? And um, that's, that's when they get, that's when they want to know developmentally, when is the right time? You know, when should I answer that question. What if they're asking and they're younger? And I don't think it's a good idea. And I will just say that it's going to be sooner than you think. Um, I had one pediatric, uh, one pediatrician, um, say, take the year that you think you'd be comfortable talking to them, subtract it by three years, and then you'll be two years too late. You know, it's like, (laughs) yeah, basically you're, Children are not going, your six-year-olds are not going to school with other six-year-olds. They are going to school with the oldest sibling of anyone in that room. So where where your firstborn six-year-old has a certain amount of knowledge, basically nothing in his world goes beyond, you know, uh, the horizon of a six-year-old. But he is sitting next to someone who's the youngest of four, who has a 16-year-old brother and who passed the six-year-old horizon long ago because of all the things that are happening in his world that aren't necessarily bad but are so much beyond what your child knows. And so yeah. he's seen reruns of Sex in the City, or he's seen, you know, um, he's just been exposed to to things that your child is not, and he doesn't know other six-year-olds don't know that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's totally true. Like, the things my two-year-old, I think we sat down and watched Star Wars last week. Yeah. Okay. Never would have with my oldest. <laughs> exactly. Okay, you're two. Let's put on Star Wars. No, heck <laughs> to the no. I, we like waited no, and waited no, to no. ever show my oldest. And even then it was kind of, there are scenes that are scary. So
1: yes, that's, yeah, it's, perfect it's totally. Example. That's a perfect example. Your family yeah. is the age of your oldest child and yeah. everyone else just keeps up. And so yeah. you, you know, I remember when this truth sort of dawned on me. That, um, every child was not at the same developmental level or at the same exposed level. Mm-hmm. That everybody was not going home and watching what my child was watching or, or going to the park like we were. They were, they were taking their naps on the sidelines of soccer fields. You know, they just weren't yeah. having reading time and all of those sweet things that we do with our firstborn. And yet, um, I, you know, there is no school for firstborn children. They're going to have to go out there and face some of these things. So swallowing that reality meant that I was going to have to inform them younger or what I call sooner than you think. It's just going to be um your best bet. So knowing that, then we, you know, that scared us too a little bit because the last thing we wanted to do was over-centralize our children, and yet we wanted to give them a good picture of what this was. So, Should I go into that question now? Is that? Yeah, I think so. Get to the, yeah. Let's. I mean, they've been listening for so long just so they can hear this, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How do you talk to your kids about sex? Exactly. Okay. So, so, mommy, how did that baby get in there? And once again, we would go to great questions. So glad you asked me. And just to, um, all we're going to do here now, now I'm not talking to my child, but I'm just talking to parents. All we're going to do here is give them the Basic biology and the basic theology what I'm just going to introduce the characters here, and what I what Dave and I wanted our children to know was that it God was involved with a husband and a wife, so instead of saying this is when a man and a woman and we don't we don't really talk about um, anything sensuals, but basically this is this is the answer. um well, sweetheart is pretty amazing, but by God's design a husband and a wife were made to fit together in a very special way. And there's a seed that's deep inside of daddy and it has to meet with the egg that's deep inside of mommy. So when they fit together in this special way, then the seed and the egg meet, the egg is fertilized and that's how the baby gets started. Now that was that was for a just about to turn five in two weeks. That's a very young child. So I didn't go into... Uh, any other details? All I was doing for her was introducing her to the, to a very gauzy idea of a husband and a wife who are one and God who, who oversees, uh, all of that. Yeah. So we had a seed and egg, a husband and a wife and God. And then, um, you know, it, I have to say it wasn't that much longer before, um, I want to say maybe it was six months or maybe longer before she came back with, well, what do you mean fits together? like I've been thinking about that. And I said, well, it's pretty incredible. But the way God designed it to be is this. See, I'm always blaming him. Yeah. uh, And I said, do you remember how I told you that there was a seed inside of daddy and it has to meet with the egg inside of mommy to fertilize the egg? Well, what happens is this. The husband places his penis inside of the wife's vagina. The seed travels through the penis and meets with the egg that's deep inside of the mommy. and that's." How that happens. Hmm. So it's not, it's not a sensual story. It's more of a mechanical story for a young child. Now, mm-hmm. we know that sex is a very powerful thing. We know that sex is, you know, can overcome you so later on in, in down the road. You do introduce more details, more dangers, more pleasures. You, you, you bring those later. But with a young child, that they can't really relate to those things, and so they're they're curious about the mechanics of it, and and so that's where we stay and and introduce the topic on that level.
0: I think it's great, and and I love you know there's so many great ideas that Mary Flo has. I really hope y'all now that you've heard Mary Flo, hear her heart behind her information that you will get her books and that you will follow um, along because she has great ideas for. You know, taking a little weekend retreat with your child, mapping out their life, looking at the impacts of decisions and long-term goals. And um, I just really I hope you all are encouraged to not fear this conversation and that you can be the expert with your kids. It's so good, Mary Flo. I'm so oh, thankful thank for you. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. I'm so thankful you took the time and wrote it down and followed God's calling. And um, even if it happened in the craziest way. 20- <laughs>
1: of being picked. (laughs) Well, thank you. um, It's very, it's been very exciting. And uh, just because I know it's revolutionary, especially for conservative people to, um, to think about doing this sooner rather than later. But I think we will find that uh, we reap the benefits of it. So I encourage you.
0: Oh, I love it. And I'm thankful for you and having you in my life and um, for you taking the time today to share your heart with, with the listeners. So thank thank you. you. Thank you. And I hope you have a great rainy day. I
1: know it. I know it. It's clearing (laughs) up. It's clearing up. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Heather.
0: All right. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know